Hi, we're Cardigan Academy, your helpers for all things parenting, education, and mental health. I'm Devani. And I'm Stacy. And today we're talking about the truth about home education. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's been a year. And the topic is so relevant because home education is how Carding and Academy started a year ago. Yeah, this is this is perfect. I'm constantly amazed how many times there is this serendipity yeah. of podcast episodes with what we're talking about in our cloops class, part support group, or how things just match up or a conversation we have with a client and how it relates to something we're talking about in a workshop. Mm -hmm. And now this, unplanned. We yeah. don't plan it this way. Like, yeah. this is amazing. We met through homeschooling. Yeah. So let's, let's explain how Cardigan Academy started a year ago first. So I think a lot of people found themselves homeschooling or what some people might call homeschooling because of the global pandemic. And you know, I say this all the time, but even those of us who have chosen to homeschool because we want to homeschool, it is such a learning curve and a big leap of faith. And it's, you know, 100% doable and not as scary as anyone thinks, mm -hmm. but you don't know that when you're starting. Yeah. And even then I think of all the emotions and planning and stuff that goes into it. Like I cannot even imagine the mental burden on a family that is sort of thrust into it mm -hmm. because of a pandemic and suddenly all of a sudden have so much to learn. How do I do this? What do I do? What's the paperwork? What are the expectations? What are the rules? What are the laws? And so I was getting a lot of messages from friends asking me and I, I honestly, I could not keep up. It was basically, taking 20 years of experience and trying to distill it for each individual person and their mm -hmm. situation and what state they're in. And, and that's when I reached out to you and said, are you getting this too? Yeah, and I was. And you were teaching a class and I was speaking to a Facebook group of 5,000 local moms and i was interviewed on witf about That's right. how to survive like those last few months of the 2019 2020 school year right for, mm -hmm. like COVID hit in march and so i was on the radio at the end of that year because i think a lot of people thought like we talk about in our shifting world episode that by summer we were going to be good to go and very clearly we weren't and yeah. we were being asked even more about what our options for people for the 2020-2021 school year. Yeah, and I had I I did a couple of online workshops just cuz I to try to reach more people. I had parents coming, I had educators coming, I had school board members coming, and all of them but and and everyone who came it was multi-pronged. They were say they were a school board member, it was often yes, they're a school board member, mm -hmm. but they are also a mom and they're also a teacher or like, you know, whatever the thing is, where there were several things they were trying to figure out how they were going to do their job. What were they going to do with their kids? How were mm -hmm. they themselves going to stay safe? And overarching over this entire thing was, how do I do this? And where do I begin? As 
families who have homeschooled from the beginning, even that takes a lot of wrapping your mind around it, a lot of conversations with your partner. Are we doing this? You know, can we do this? What does it look like? What does it look like for other families? Cardigan Academy was founded so that we could walk people, families through those educational choices for the whole year. And and pretty soon we realized we were talking about much more than that. Parenting, yeah. <laughs> mental health, education, which is... It's what you always hear us say at the beginning of every episode now. Because it's true. It's like, right? They always like, I think of that. It's funny because it's true. But it, that Venn diagram that we have of those three topics, parenting, education, mental health, it, it was really quick. Very quickly, we realized as we worked with clients who are suddenly trying to figure out what should my curriculum look like and how do I even find it? And we went from talking about resources, maybe the first couple months, and even though that continued throughout the year as we would guide these clients through their school year and check in with them about how things were going, because a lot of them we would meet monthly and just mm -hmm. tweak, you know, okay, this resource is working and this isn't, well, let's try this. We always say it's giving them what we wish we had had. Yeah. <laughs> and we, so often in our sessions with our clients, we would hear comments that would start with, I don't know that this is really homeschooling or this is, seems to be outside of homeschooling, but I have a question for you guys. And it would often be a parenting question or a mental health question. And what's interesting about that, before Cardigan Academy, Car I feel like Cardigan Academy was born from the necessity of people needing help during a global pandemic. And what's amazing is that it's grown into both you and I being able to do go after our dreams of things mm -hmm. we wanted to do. So you wanted to do a podcast. And I really wanted to do classes and support groups for, you know, based on parenting and people breaking unhealthy cycles. Because I, I talk to a lot of people who maybe grew up one way and want to be different or, they, or they're just good parents who want to have mm -hmm. healthier relationships with their kids. And I wanted to do mental health groups. And I just, I, I know the power of community and groups. And, but I also knew I wanted to co-facilitate with someone and I was stuck in my frozen indecision and making lists of who I might want to do this <laughs> with but I wasn't sure and you wanted a co-host and you weren't sure and then here we were coaching people on homeschooling and yeah but I mean what it has grown to in a year is wild and yeah also, to know that we're going into another school year where families are being faced with decisions again. Some districts are not offering a hybrid option. This is another whole school year of yeah. people trying to gather resources and figure out what all their options are. So it seemed timely for us to talk about home education and what it looks like in our homes and why we do it. and some myths people might have about it. Because the other beautiful thing I've seen happen this past year is some people who thought they couldn't make homeschooling work have, and they've seen their kids and their families thriving. And so I think even post-pandemic, some of that will continue, or some people have, their, their minds have been opened to some out-of-the-box thinking here for home education and what it looks like, and that's exciting. That's so exciting. I've even thought that for public schools and any kind of schooling, I like to see out of the box thinking or one of my pet peeves is when people say, well, that's how we've always done this as a reason to do something 
if that thing is not working, like if what you're doing is fantastic and everyone's thriving, by all means, continue. But not because you've always done it that way, mm-hmm. but because it's going so well. And if it's not going well, saying this is how we've always done it is a terrible re- reason to continue. So I think the you know the like we talk about in the episode about our shifting world, the logistics of the global pandemic have challenged so many areas of life. And have forced us to think about what might be different, and I and that's exciting. And why we do the things we do. I know, as a former teacher, first of all, I never expected to stay home with my kids, and then I never expected to homeschool. And I was one of those people who had a preconceived notion of what homeschool looks like, or who chooses it, and why. And I even think that has been changing in the years since we've been doing it, and will be changing and ever evolving still. Yeah, it's exciting to see all this happening in education. At home and in public schools as well. And, you know, just a couple little clarifications. Number one, there's a difference between homeschooling and what we have coined pandemic schooling. Because mm-hmm. I see a lot of people calling basically your kid is home from school as homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily, it's not very accurate if you're doing a hybrid program, if you're doing cyber, if your kid is going to school, like they're still going to a public school or doing public school at home. Yeah, even cyber school and homeschool are different. Some of the options people had last year were to make choices to participate with their school district in some sort of hybrid option, whatever that looked like. And even that evolved, I think, as the year went on. We've always had the choice to cyber school as well, which means you are your kids are logging onto a computer, there's instruction provided for them, the curriculum is picked out, they are tested, and it's essentially a public school, but a virtual one. Yeah, I learned when I was doing the classes for the library, there's almost like because cyber schools popped up and started providing schooling through their own kind of, you know, company umbrella, um, the public school districts were losing money Mm -hmm. to that. So if a child goes to a cyber school, the public school in their area loses quite a bit of money. And so in response, a lot of the public schools started to create their own cyber schools. So I learned it depended on if you went to a cyber school school that that's what it's set up as or your school district's cyber school was a way for them to keep the funds in house right and so yeah the 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 options were expanding rapidly and then what our families have always done is actual homeschooling which means we're not provided with anything i mean we still pay our school taxes and we're very happy to do so and we'll get into that as well but so we report to our school district once a year and we give them the paperwork that says here's what we said we would do last year and because we are continuing to homeschool here's our paperwork with our stating our intent for the next school year and then that's that's it i i think of willy willy wonka at the end of charlie and the chocolate factory when he says you get nothing good day sir (laughs) because we don't ask for anything from our district I think you technically can, but we never have either. Yes, you can. You can ask for curriculum and what that looks like district to district is up to their discretion in the state of Pennsylvania. And again, in the state of Pennsylvania where we live, some schools will provide speech therapy services, for example, and others don't have to. So that's something we've paid for out of pocket for our kids when needed. And it changes district to district. That's the other thing. There is there is a Pennsylvania state law 
of what all homeschoolers need to do. And interestingly enough, people may or may not realize this, every state is different. Mm -hmm. And the two states in the United States that are the strictest for homeschooling are Pennsylvania and New York. And sometimes that scares people. I'll hear people say, oh gosh, you know, can't move to Pennsylvania because they're so strict about homeschooling. And I just want to say that even though it's true, it's stricter than other states, it's not that bad. No, it's not. It's not that big a deal. It's doable. And Devani and I can help you. And like I said, we the what comes along with that you get nothing good day, sir, is the freedom <laughs> to do what you choose curriculum-wise. Whereas if you were doing a, a cyber school, you'd still be following the curriculum chosen, the pace that that school is doing it, and so on. I am now completely disappointed that Gene Wilder, <laughs> Willy Wonka, is not the one at the school district office accepting our paperwork. <laughs> I love that movie. That's like one of my top three movies of all time. It's got that really, have you ever noticed how creepy the one scene is when of they're course, in the tunnel? Yeah. <gasps> it's not, it's one of those things that as a parent, you're watching with your kids and you're like, oh my gosh. And did you know they're coming out with a version, um, is it Timothy Chalamet, yes. is that his name? He's going to play a young Yeah, the Willy backstory. Wonka. I know, I, I know. Yeah, I was watching with my kids when they were little and I was like, holy crud, there's like Jack the Ripper and something with a chicken that yeah. I remember being gruesome. And I was like, I think I used to <laughs> <laughs> casually stroll in front of the television during the psychedelic <laughs> tunnel. My kids would just ask, can you, and it was on DVD at that point. So it was very convenient. <laughs> like, I almost feel like parents requested, can one forward you know how they break it up into segments it was like that entire segment and then all of a sudden they're out of the tunnel <laughs> okay i actually have a funny story about this um my kids did not know apparently until recently finding nemo makes so much more sense to them now <laughs> i uh -oh. always cut out the beginning because it was so sad uh. and i was like no this is so sad it's too much for a child to watch this scene and pixar makes you cry and it's just so awful and so they said the entire thing, like his relationship with Marlon and why, like no, everything makes more sense now. They just, they never. <laughs> it's everything we talk about. What, it's not what's wrong with you. Happened. It's what happened to you, Nemo. What happened to you, Marlon? Yes. Your kids never, you were never giving them that. <laughs> and they have let me know that. But <laughs> I mean, I, they know now, but when they were really little, I'm like, no, no, this is too heavy. <laughs> And this is why we want to do an entire AV club segment through Cardigan Academy where we talk about things we watch and listen to from the Cardigan Academy perspective. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, let us know. But Okay, back to homeschool. <laughs> I just wanted to share one of my parenting fails. <laughs> Because we do have them, Devani and I never profess to be perfect or experts in this. But homeschooling, just there is a difference between, you know, homeschooling and pandemic schooling. And so one of the things when people call it homeschooling, one of the myths they're perpetuating, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but a lot of people said, oh, homeschooling is just so awful because my kids are so lonely and, you know, they miss their friends. And I feel like saying at every time I'm like, guess what? The, those of us who have homeschooled for years are in the same boat because we are not yeah. typically home all day and not with our friends at all. We are yeah. usually with friends three, four, five, six times a week at various activities at the coffee shop or at the YMCA or at the park. Like this is not normal for any of us. And so 
that that myth of the unsocialized homeschooler got perpetuated also by by conflating those terms pandemic schooling and homeschooling so we also mm -hmm. want to make that distinction one of the things i want to state right away is that devani and i are both big supporters of public school sometimes people think if you homeschool you must not support public school and that's simply not true um most of our friends or many of our friends are teachers devani is a teacher <laughs> Yeah, I come from a family of teachers. Yeah, we. I think teachers should be paid more. I think they should be given a whole lot more uh, respect from our society for what they do. Any of my frustrations I have with public school are actually more with um, the system. The, the, it's the same. Honestly, it's a lot the same. At least many of them are the same frustrations that the teachers also have. So this is mm -hmm. not any kind of statement about teachers. We support public schools. I have had people ask me if I resent paying property taxes because we homeschool and the answer is no because we live in a community mm -hmm. and I think all kids should have education. I recognize my privilege here in being able to homeschool. Um, I wish that it were something that everyone could be able to do. So there's a lot of little things here that I feel like I we need to at least note. So we support public schools. We absolutely support and love teachers. We are privileged to be able to do this. And so I'll, we just want to put that all out there before we dive in here. I had someone come to me early on and say, but our local district's so great and started naming the reasons why. And our decision to homeschool had nothing to do with our local district. If we moved, we would still homeschool. If we moved out of state, we would still homeschool as long as all of us as a family collectively are still, and we do check in regularly and say, this is still working, this is still what you wanna do, this is still best for everyone. But just like someone making a career choice for them that's different than what you might choose to do doesn't mean they don't appreciate what you're doing. As long as you're not putting the other choices right. on blast, right? The same way you wouldn't a career, like you wouldn't look down on someone in a certain career because that's not what you chose. We would never talk that way about the public school system. There are certainly things we would like to change about it for all students, and we would still probably choose to homeschool. And that, and we'll talk about our, our reasons why. And on the flip side of that, we hear a lot, I could never homeschool, <laughs> or I never forget early on being at the library and hearing two other parents talk to each other, and the one said to the other, well, just as long as you don't homeschool uh. them. And I just wanted to be like, Hi, see this person right here. Our kids are playing. Like we homeschool. We're one of those big bad homeschoolers over here. <laughs> I, I, it's. I find myself saying a lot. You can hold both of these thoughts concurrently. Like, mm -hmm. not everything is so black and white. And so, yeah, me choosing to go into school to become a therapist doesn't mean I think you know dentists suck. <laughs> it means I don't mm -hmm. want to be a dentist. Yeah. Yay, dentists, we all go to them. So like we all need one another to make the world go round and we are all different. And maybe some people learn. But I, I always have so much respect for families I meet that say, you know, they've got like five kids or whatever. And they're like, oh, two are in public and one's in cyber and mm -hmm. two are homeschooled. And I'm always so impressed because yep. that means that they are doing whatever works for each of those kids, which is what we encourage our clients to do is anyone with multiple kids knows they're not all the same. Well, and I think that's another possibility that before I learned about what home education looks like, I would have never imagined that either doing maybe one choice with one kid and one with another, or maybe switching throughout your child's academic career, which mm -hmm. is another thing that we're going to talk about. So all those possibility it's like pandora's box is opened and all the out-of-the-box possibilities are available 
we we've always checked in with our kids every single year how are you feeling about homeschooling and i know that sometimes they're like i don't really know what to compare it to you know or what but we always point out all the pros and cons of all the different methods and what they might like about going to school and what things they may not like and what we circle back regularly to ask and to check in and one of the things our family does to evaluate how we're doing is we always say that if what we are providing them at home is not better than what they would be getting at school then we're doing them a disservice so that keeps us on our toes and makes sure that we are doing right by them and doing hopefully you know a good job i wanted to go back to what you said about the the people who say like i could never i could never homeschool Uh and how (laughs) the longer we homeschool i find myself looking at public school parents and thinking wow that is a lot of work like yes you send your kid off for the day and they have teachers and homework and you don't have to do all that stuff but the correspondence and the papers and the checking in and the rush around in the morning and the get on the bus and the the forms and the you know requirements and the expectations and the what the parents need to do like it is a lot it is a lot and so Mm -hmm. another thing i would say in my classes is when you have kids and you're talking about their education it's going to be work no matter what you choose you choose public school or cyber school or homeschool you're going there's no avoiding the fact that as a as a parent you're going to have some level of work so what you're basically doing is choosing which work you're willing to do which which avenue is best for your child there's a lot to consider there but i i have a sister-in-law who has five children and sometimes they're all going to different buildings and she makes jokes about just trying to get them to put on pants in the morning and she posted a video one time of the meltdown of putting on pants because she's so she's very like real like what you see is what you get and here's how it is you know it's a lot she's a superhero what she does (laughs) so it's always interesting to me to hear these people say to me well i could never do what you do and i'm like okay but it's just a different concentration of work in a different area do you want to talk about how we got into homeschooling yeah so our story of why we chose to homeschool we did not intend to we did not set out to um a friend of mine actually recommended a book and i ordered it and it's very uncharacteristic of me to not research the hell out of the book before (laughs) before (laughs) ordering it uh but i just ordered it and because i trusted her and it came in the mail (laughs) i saw on the cover like uh, you know something something a, a classical guide to home education and i was like Oh, no. Honestly, I had a negative impression of homeschooling. And I said to Mark, Mm -hmm. I'm like, we apparently ordered a book about homeschooling and it's a hardcover. What have we done? (laughs) And then he's like, you know, does she homeschool? And I said, I not that I know. I don't know. Like, I just I thought it was a parenting book that I was ordering. And so the next time I talked to her, I said, yeah, I, I got that book. Do you homeschool? And she said, yes did you not know that and and i will say at the time none of our kids were school age yet so that's probably part of the Uh reason it didn't really come up but she was also homeschooled her whole life and i did not know that uh she definitely wasn't trying to con me i was like did i just get get amway (laughs) (laughs) what just happened (laughs) since we had the book my husband started flipping through it and reading it i am the child of immigrant parents who both had to drop out of high school to support their families and they did not have the high school experience. My experience in high, my school was, I loved learning. I loved school. I loved learning, but it was, the whole experience was overall a little, I don't know, whatever for me, like neither good nor bad. 
and I didn't really have that help from parents on how to navigate high school. I think there were things I, I, don't, I didn't quite understand about how to get involved in activities and things like that. My husband's activity is the All-American. He did sports and he did band and he had a great group of friends and prom and like all the stuff. And I never in a million years, he would not be of the two of us. He would not be the one saying, hey, you know what? We should consider homeschooling. And so here he is reading the book. And then he, he came to me and said, you know, I, th I think this kind of sounds like our family. I was like, wait, what? Uh. <laughs> so I started reading it. And I, really what appealed to us was the focus on family time and flexibility and academics. It's interesting when people say, why do you homeschool? Uh -huh. If I had to choose three things, I would say family time, flexibility and academics. And I don't think people always expect the academics answer, but we are a family of nerds. We love learning and homeschooling is all about <laughs> learning together and we love it so that's that's how we got into it and we've never looked back every year we evaluate every year we wonder if we're going to stick with it or we ask but we have done it all the way through my kids are 18 and 21 and we have no regrets how about you i would say our three reasons might be the same i was trying to think if mine would be different than family time flexibility and academics mm. You know, to have a background in education and educational psychology and to learn what motivates people to learn and then to be in a setting where, again, you're doing the best you can as a teacher and now it's time to go to gym class. And I just saw that kid's eyes light up about what he was writing about in his journal and we have to pack it away and get it back out tomorrow. I wanted that mm -hmm. flexibility for my kids to continue with whatever was lighting their eyes up. But again, I didn't go into this expecting to do it either. Um, when our daughter was preschool age, we signed her up. And here in Pennsylvania, preschool isn't part of our public school system. So we signed her up for a private preschool and she went two days a week. And then she had one more year before kindergarten. And we were trying to decide if we were going to enroll her in the three or five day program at the same preschool. And I remember thinking academically, she was ready for five days. They were still covering the alphabet, but she was already writing words, she was reading, she just couldn't get enough. And I had already taken my educational background and transferred it to my website, Still Playing School, where we were doing educational activities at home anyway, just because we enjoyed doing them together. Like you can teach, you could take the teacher out of the classroom, but you couldn't, I still had a teacher heart. And so I was doing those things with my kids anyway. And I remember saying to my husband, I don't want to send her five days. She's going to go to kindergarten next year for five days. We had lost her sister at two days old. This time was fleeting and precious to me as a mom. And so we started reading articles and reflecting back on our own educational experiences. Like you were saying, Stacy, where I had a very traditional school experience. I, I was on student council. I got along almost with everyone. And I definitely had those teachers that you'll always remember. We're going to talk about people's favorite and least favorite thing about school a little bit later because we asked about it on our Facebook page. So I had those good times. And then I also had times where I remember being screamed at by certain teachers. I remember not feeling like I fit in, even though it would look like on paper I did. And just not not wanting that, but also not getting ahead of myself. Like if we were going to homeschool for preschool, we were going to take it one year at a time and reevaluate every year. And we did and we do. And then we also found the local homeschool group that Stacy had founded. And there was no looking back after that. Then I had found the community that I needed to continue this. And I'm not exaggerating what I'm saying. I don't know that we would still be homeschooling if it wasn't for that group. Oh, that's amazing. And and even creating the that group back in 2006, 
the story behind why I founded Inch, why I set it up was because when we moved here to central Pennsylvania, which is a pretty conservative area, I went looking for homeschool groups. When we talk to our clients, we always say, do not do this in isolation. It's not fair to your kids. It's not fair to you. Like you need community, mm -hmm. you need community. And I knew this area is already not that diverse. So I knew that I wanted them to have more diversity through homeschooling, hopefully. Uh, when I looked around for groups, I found that they were all religiously based. So there was a Mennonite group mm -hmm. and there was a Catholic group and there was an evangelical Christian group and there was a you know different Christian group. And <laughs> it was a little dismaying because I thought, where are the group of people who are just, they're homeschooling because they want to homeschool and it doesn't have to do with religion. Because remember, that wasn't one of my top three reasons. I mean, it's not even one yeah. of the top 20. Like it's just not a, it's not a reason. And I knew that joining one of those groups would just mean, well, I had no interest in joining any of those groups for starters, but also it th there's more homogeny again, right? Less diversity. It's everything's the same. And I was like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't really want that. So I started a group that had no basis in religion. It was just the word I found and like is inclusive, which basically means whereas those religious groups were exclusive, you know, this was only for the Catholic kids or mm -hmm. the Christian kids. And a lot of them made you sign a statement of faith. We set up an inclusive group. That's the I and inch, right? Inclusive. It, what it means is that everyone's welcome. So religious, not religious, straight, gay, you like homeschooling, you're new to homeschooling, you're a veteran homeschooler, whatever your political, whatever, like everyone's welcome. Now mm -hmm. it has meant, it has attracted a certain kind of crowd I've noticed because of the absence of exclusivity, but it's just been this amazing, absolutely amazing group of families through the years. Um, it tends to be families that are not particularly religious or they are religious, but that's not the basis for their homeschooling or why they're doing it. And I've seen a lot of people actually experience an exit from religion. We've witnessed that with one another and helped each other through a lot of that because that, that could be its own podcast. Mm -hmm. It probably <laughs> I think will, it will be. be. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wanted to set this up for my kids and kids in this area. What I did not anticipate was all the friendships I would get from it. Never in a million years did I anticipate this Cardigan Academy <laughs> and everything you and I are doing mm -hmm. together. This has been community for all of us, and the majority of my close friendships have come from people I've met in this group over the years, including you and your family. And I, I remember when your family came, uh, my husband met you guys first, and he came home so excited about your kids saying like they are like mini versions of our kids because we have mm -hmm. our kids are very similar <laughs> personalities. Mm -hmm same age yep, yep. and personalities and senses of humor and but like yours are your mm -hmm. you guys are 10 years younger and so yep. it's fun for us because we see your kids and we're like oh, it's mini kate and mini max <laughs> and then <laughs> it's been un absolutely uncanny and that is an understatement the stories mm -hmm. that come up constantly with us and how similar our kids are too. So the homeschool group has just been a, a fantastic thing. And that is something when I see people online say, none of the homeschool groups in my area are really cutting it for me. And I don't know, I say, start the one you wish you had. It's, it's like the advice they give writers, yeah. write the book you wish you saw on the shelf, start the group that you wish you had, because I, I do think so many people are home thinking they're the only one. I must be the only one in my area who's like this. And I bet there's dozens more just like you. And they're all thinking that. And as soon as one of you starts the group, maybe Google it first, because that's what I did. <laughs> and I remember finding the website and thinking, wait a minute, inclusive. 
this is right in my county. Like what? I felt like I had hit the <laughs> jackpot. It was exactly what we were doing and why we were doing it reflected in a community. It was amazing. Uh, so maybe search first to see if it's out there, secular or inclusive, if that's what you're looking for. But also it can look like anything you want it to look like. So inch isn't like a traditional co-op. Inch is more activities, clubs, anything the kids want to do. So I can I can almost imagine how I would have been listening to this a couple of years into homeschooling if I hadn't found Inch, thinking like, oh, I don't know if I have the time and dedication to organize a group, but it can really look like whatever you want it to look like. Well, because when we started, we did have, you know, we would meet every Friday and it would be like the first Friday of the month is math and the second Friday of the month is physics. And <laughs> and I kind of love that too. I kind of wish I had been there for that it's as well. It's interesting but... to see like the evolution. And then there were parents who were like, well, you know, we really do a lot of academics at home. And when my kids get together with other kids, they really just want to hang out and play, which we all noticed. And so then we would we uh -huh. tried to have it sort of in the middle. Okay, so we'll do some schoolish things and some social things. It's been different every year, just like just like our individual homeschooling in our homes is different year to year, month to month, week to week. It's evolved and it's always based on feedback that we're getting from parents and kids and teens. We have a strong teen group, which has always been really important to me. I knew that we needed to start fostering that even when my kids were little, because that can be a, a challenge a lot of times kids will homeschool all the way up until high school and then attend high school or it's just a lot easier to find younger kids that homeschool and so i i started fostering the teen scene in our group when my kids were little so that it would exist for them as teens mm -hmm. but now it's like yeah it's like we have a bunch of clubs we have a chess club and a nerf club and a film club and a book club and a you know research club and a podcast club and a and there's field trips and there's things that happen annually because mm -hmm. they're favorites and they've been a really big hit with the kids and then there's stuff that people try new each year yeah we just ask every family like people say you know what's the expectation like we ask we hope that every family will contribute something whatever that looks like and for some people it also it also respects that you know, people might be in different stages. So sometimes we've had people like who are pregnant or have a newborn and they, they're not going to be able to do a monthly American Girl, you know, club. So maybe they're planning a field trip that they may or may not even attend, uh -huh. but that's their contribution. And so just we just ask every family to contribute something and some families contribute half a dozen things like there's no limit. I, we always say like we our one rule is basically don't don't double book so that families are having to drive across the county and take one kid one place and one kid another so that that's it we just have a whole bunch of really cool things going on and it's just a wonderful community and i i cannot imagine homeschooling in, in isolation even our name cardigan academy it has meaning on so many levels but you know one of course is our love of mr rogers and then that speaks to how intuitively he cared for children and he he was he was naturally so trauma informed um, so he's definitely a hero of ours. And also cardigans are cozy. When I think about us hanging out in our homeschool group, I'm picturing us at picnic tables under a pavilion at our local park that feels like it's ours. It's a, it's a community park, but it feels like our, our space. And it's a bunch of parents. We have a group that tends to have dads that are real active in homeschooling, which can be unusual in some groups. But 
it's moms and dads and everybody's sitting around and I, I picture us there wanting to soak up every last bit of good weather. So it's getting chilly and we have our cardigans and hoodies on and we're, you know, just hanging out. We're swapping. Did you know about this website? And did you guys see that OutSchool is offering XYZ? And did you see this resource? And did you hear about this book? And just sharing stories about us as parents and parenting and approaches and that that is all that experience that between the two of us, Stephanie, you and I have 30, 30 years between us. <laughs> yeah, it's what we wanted to recreate through Cardian Academy. So distilling 30 years of ideas and resources and camaraderie and community and I, websites and books and, and helping you come up with what's best for your child. And meet with two friendly faces on a regular basis that remind you, you got this. And we're all sharing those same frustrations and you'll still be able to wake up tomorrow and do it all over again and it's worth it like remind you rejuvenates that that why and speaking of our whys we asked on our cardigan academy facebook page what everyone's favorite and least favorite experiences with their own schooling was because it's just something you should definitely keep in mind when you're making decisions for your kids it's something you could ask them and realize that yours might be different than them. And when we get into our myths, you know, if one of your favorite things was prom and you're thinking, well, I could never homeschool my kid because they would miss out on that. Two things. We're going to dispel that myth. And we're going to remind you that your favorite and least favorite things of school might be different than somebody else's. But it, that's why it was important for us to ask on our Facebook page. So we're going to read some of those now. So Tiffany said her favorite parts were friends, food, safety, and a predictable environment. That was a really good point. And her least favorite were tests, homework, mine was never done, and I didn't always have someone to help with it, and grades. That speaks to, you know, in Cardigan Academy, we talk a lot about breaking cycles. And, you know, we know Tiffany personally, and she is a homeschool mom, um, interestingly enough. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure she's taking all that she loved and making sure her, I know you, you can see it. She, she's making sure they have all the good mm -hmm. and she's getting rid of all that stuff. That's tough. Except for tests, <laughs> her son just asked for one. He's, I don't know how old is he? Six? I saw that. It's so funny. <laughs> so again, sometimes our least favorite, they're like, Oh, I'm odd. like my daughter was oddly interested in riding the school bus. I'm like, yeah, you ride it once and you're not going to have that opinion of it anymore. But okay. Did she ever get to? Not with the school, uh -huh. obviously, but she did get to ride in a school bus. Um, there was a summer camp where she got to, they would start at one location and bus them to the other one. And I just imagine her like looking all around like, wow. <laughs> it's all the other kids are like, oh, not yeah. that great. And she, she was young, so it was still impressive. But. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because my kids, I think, were curious about that as well. And that's why I asked uh, Kate rode a school bus in a summer camp as well, but she was like, I think she was 15. <laughs> She's still. No, it was more like, eh, that's it. I'm like, mm-hmm, that's it. Kind of has a smell. Like, <laughs> loud, hot, and yeah, smelly. Yeah, no seatbelt mm -hmm. straight, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of weirdness, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> it's, but the flip side is true too, because public school kids have curiosities about what our kids do all day. So it's, it's human nature yeah. to have this curiosity but my kids are right. always they always say that the two biggest questions that they're asked are do you wear pajamas to school <laughs> and oh do you have friends which that's that myth again that's so and they're t meanwhile they're being asked probably by <laughs> a friend in a friend? social like... environment like 
<laughs> where my kids are clearly fine. They should just say, no, does not compute. <laughs> like, 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 found. <laughs> <laughs> so Rick says his favorite was certain subjects, French, Spanish, music ensembles, and the worst was enduring the daily bullying and being made fun of, mm. and that he hated schools for this reason, and it ruined the experience he should have had. And interesting side note about this, Rick is my neighbor, and he is also a teacher. So seeing this says this is, you know, probably one of those teachers that knows how tough it is and makes it good for his students because, you know, hopefully any teacher who has gone through stuff like that makes makes the world a little bit of a better place and makes sure it's different. Yeah, definitely. Megan said her favorite was brunch, lunch, and I asked her to clarify, and she said that was that they were served breakfast for lunch. So <laughs> we're getting a lot of food answers here. Uh Least favorite was having to play around the world in math. I hated being put on the spot, froze, and turned bright red every time. And as a teacher, I remember not wanting to do round-robin math or round-robin reading. Like, I, I was one of those anxious kids where I was counting the paragraphs to figure out what one I was going to get to by the time it got to me, or if it was the math flashcards. I wasn't listening. I wasn't retaining any of those other math facts. I was panicking. <laughs> And then, but like, think about that in the span of 20 minutes, the other activities they could have been mm -hmm. doing so that the kids that were made nervous by that weren't. Yeah, I, I was like you, I think in the sense that at least with the reading thing, I, I was counting ahead to see what mine was going to be and just waiting my turn. And that, I think some of the myths stuff we're going to go into later is just going to come up naturally a little bit here. And that is, you know, again, another thing I think people think homeschooling is, oh my gosh, I have to teach my kid for seven hours a day. And it's not even close because in, in a school uh -huh. setting, you've got 20, 30 kids in a classroom. And remember how long it took to get your whole class to turn to page 26 and find the third complete paragraph. Yeah. Like When it's just you yeah. and your kids, you're doing things so much more efficiently. And you're uh -huh. also learning all the time. Like we sometimes we're having dinner, but we're talking about current events that day. And sharing something we read. And so a lot of stuff's just, a lot of learning's happening all the time. So, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting, the food thing comes up. Kristen also mentioned going out for a French meal with her French class. And she also said that the worst part was music class with a terrible narcissist in high school. And it's interesting too, because she has now gone on to bring music to people's mm -hmm. lives in a, in a positive, warm way. So she's also broken that cycle. And I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Barbara says, oh, the American school best is band bus, worst is school bus. I will fill my kids in on that. <laughs> and then she also went to school in the Bahamas, apparently, because she has a best and worst for there. She says the best is music class on the beach. Oh, Imagine that. I would, oh, I would do anything on the beach. <laughs> and the worst is corporal punishment. Yikes. Wow. You know Sadly, this is still something that exists in American schooling in the South. Maybe parts of Utah, I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I'm astounded. I, w I remember being astounded the first time I heard this. I'm even more astounded that it still exists, but mm -hmm. parents have to sign forms for the school on whether or not they are okay with corporal punishment for their kids. And I'm going to put out here as a therapist, and both Devani and I, on behalf of Cardigan Academy, as parents, we are strongly... <laughs> We are 100% against spanking kids and hitting kids um, mm -hmm. for so many reasons that, again, could be its own podcast. But it's unbelievable to me with knowing what we know about what that does to a child's brain 
which isn't going to help learning, that that is even allowed in school is just insane to me. Okay, I love this one. Samantha said that, I'm going to read this sentence. She said, "Uh, I can definitely tell you one thing that was always evident and unchanging, how much I hated Jim. Mm, me too. Same. I had a lot of doctor's notes getting me out of phys ed. Not a fan. And she she went on to say, I vividly remember having to attempt to climb a rope in elementary school and telling the teacher that I was not playing on their death trap. <laughs> that was great. Cavi uh, got ASMR in elementary from hearing other kids quietly read. That sounds nice. I always love the smell of new books, like our scholastic book orders. Stuff like that's like comforting. A brand new box of crayons. Yes. Even the pencil sharpener. Just love those smells. Yeah. Could someone please create a whole line of like personal fragrance? (laughs) It's all school related, please. Not the school bus. New book, new crayon. You know, we, we've gotten our kids candles. It's a wonderful candle company. You can get candles based on smells like that, like old musty libraries. Yeah. And some of them are like Sherlock's study or the Shire and best smells like where my daughter, Kate loves to write that we call it, you know, the writer's room. She goes in there and writes. And one of those candles has that musty book, uh, Sherlock's pipe. That's awesome. Darcy says, I loved my fifth grade teacher. He told the best stories, had a laugh I can still remember to this day. Don't remember learning anything particularly special that year, but it was my favorite, partly due to the teacher, I would say. And I love that because this is something that comes up again and again in conversations, any of us at any time with any anybody, when we talk about school, those favorite teachers that stand out to us mm-hmm. and why were they our favorites? Because they they helped us feel seen and valued and appreciated and loved and looked out for. Yeah, those those favorite teachers definitely stand out. Valerine said, fifth grade when I had to draw a picture of a Jurassic era in science and got an A+. I'd love to <laughs> High school lunchroom was the worst because she says, I got ignored like I didn't exist. Yuck, that's hard. Yeah. We have a lot more to share on home education. We have the myths about home education. We have the approaches or styles or philosophies. So we are going to break this episode into two parts. I'm very excited about the approaches and philosophies because that's so much fun to talk about. So I'm, there's so much here. We didn't intend for this to be a two-parter, but it's just too much good stuff. Okay, so let's do extracurriculars. Do you have one about bugs? (laughs) No, (laughs) not this time. I'll I'll do one because mine's kind of crotchety and grouchy. And I'm guessing yours isn't, so we'll end on a good note. I'm just, mine is just, I was just thinking how I'm, I'm just over fireworks. I I don't, I don't like them Mm. anymore. You know, I, they're pretty, but knowing that apparently there's ways to have fireworks without the explosive sounds, you can do stuff with drones that I guess is cheaper and cooler and, you know, less dangerous. We had a lot of fires in our community, big ones too from fireworks this year and also i don't know there's some law changed or something in pennsylvania and there's just been a lot more personal fireworks and so i see a lot of people with ptsd and you know people often think that's veterans and that's true veterans most certainly many of them struggle with ptsd from having been in horrific situations 
And also, a lot of people have PTSD from other things as well. And so the startling noise is hard and learning what it does to animals and wildlife and our streams and bugs. And bugs. <laughs> I'm sure they are. <laughs> and then having two dogs myself, although one seems nonplussed by them, one quivers and shakes and barks and is so stressed out. And I learned that July 5th is a very busy day for dog shelters because so many animals are so terrified they they run and get loose and escape and they're separated from their families which breaks my heart i just don't see yeah. any reason to put people and animals through this kind of turmoil it anything that's causing enjoyment for some but that much turmoil for others it's something including animals yeah we need to yeah we need to this. just take a look at it and i always just think this is so weird too like celebrating american independence from Great Britain by exploding Chinese explosives. Like, it's just really weird to me. Like, why don't we celebrate with, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, fish and chips, but instead of dipping it in malt <laughs> vinegar, you do something super American, like dip it in ketchup to be like, take that, Great Britain. Like, <laughs> something that actually, or eat the burgers and the hot dogs and whatever is very American, but like, the fire, it's just like, what is this? Like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm so mm -hmm. over it. Like, I want everybody to feel safer and you know i have a soft spot in my heart for people struggling with trauma and i just don't want these loud noises traumatizing people and animals so yeah let's think outside the yeah. box on that <laughs> that's fine idea how about you yours is not about bugs <laughs> no it's uh my husband had a minor surgical procedure last week it was outpatient but you know enough that he needed to be he was under anesthesia he was intubated and being the support person there, I have never experienced that side of it. Like I've had three C-sections, I've had my wisdom teeth out, but I've never been the one providing the support for someone else. And so what struck me in the waiting room was several things. One was so thankful for medical professionals that do this on a regular basis. Like we were the first ones there that morning at 5.30. <laughs> And watching how many people came in, even by the time he was released, I was like, wow, you know, and, and they do it so efficiently and very caring. The facility we went to had wonderful bedside manner. And another thing that really stuck with me was how they use technology to keep you aware of what's happening with your loved one at all times. So I got a text message when he was awake. We also got a number as soon as we signed in and there was a monitor in the waiting room and the numbers would go through like 12 different stages and they were color coded. So one was like prep, one was actually in the operating room and then one was recovery. But even within that, I knew when he was actually being operated on. I knew when they were closing things up. I knew when he was in recovery. I knew when he was awake in recovery. And I'm sitting there among all these other people, support people waiting for loved ones in the waiting room. And it was kind of weird to not be talking to anyone. I didn't want to intrude on anyone's, you know, personal space or private time, but we were all sharing this like collective human experience, supporting someone we loved. And I was just kidding. I follow a blog called Swissle and she talks about how sometimes she'll be driving and pass a playground and see children playing and think how wonderful it is that we, humanity, builds structures solely for children to play on just for enjoyment and she says i always love it because she says i get weepy Aww. and that's kind of how i was in the waiting room i was like <laughs> i just love 
doctors and nurses and anesthesiologists. Yay, science. <laughs> yeah, technology and all of us here supporting our loved ones. Yeah, so, and, you know, recovery went really well and everything's fine. And often I think we're on the other side of that. We're approaching something medical, or, or at least in our experience, like you don't leave with a positive outcome for our daughter. And so while I was equally thankful then, this just felt very different. And in both cases, I was grateful and reflective. Aww. You were very upbeat that day. I hadn't considered that. You're right. It's a very different kind of outcome and how different that would be. And this all makes so much sense. And I'm glad he's doing well. So first and foremost, but I'm also laughing because, <laughs> because you're talking about the number and it's telling you like how your patient, like how your person's doing and what stage they're in. And it reminds me of the first time I ever saw that happen with pizza. <laughs> <gasps> Like we ordered pizza and we got this little like you can go to the website and it's like josh i know the website you're talking about josh has prepared your dough and josh is putting oh josh thank you <laughs> josh just put your pizza so in the oven <laughs> and it's like it's so exciting and then you know like what's happening and oh my gosh you guys our toppings are on and <laughs> And now we can leave the house and go pick it up because Josh has pulled it out of the oven and it's putting it in the box. <laughs> That's like I order. Okay, you're getting a bonus extra paper <laughs> or maybe a couple extra. I order native deodorant through the mail because they do plastic free packaging. And I get an email that says kind of the same thing. It's like your order is being processed and we have your name on the wall under a plaque that says world's best customer. It says we're strapping your package in and you know so-and-so is driving it to the post office and it's going to be shipped to you. And then when it arrives, you get an email about how it's in your mailbox. And I was so delighted by this. I forwarded the email to my family and my eight-year-old was like, you know, they're not really doing any of that, right? <laughs> I was like, I don't even care. It's just so delightful. And same thing with your pizza, right? Maybe there's not even a Josh. Like, he quit two weeks ago. Like <laughs> It's Sally. She's the one that's doing it. <laughs> She's like, we never updated your name in the system. <laughs> She's like, I make less, too, than you do. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Josh, down with patriarchy and your stupid name <laughs> and your stupid pizza. I'm like... <laughs> But we love personal touches, apparently. We are like the target audience for that. 100% we are. It's our Enneagram two wing three. And Dan yeah. is so Max. Like, we call Max our resident skeptic. And 100% Max would say the same thing. And also, Max and Dan both find us adorable. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they love what we love. So, so it's a win. If you're interested in learning more about parenting, education, and mental health from our therapist teacher team, check us out at cardiganacademy.com. And we are also on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. <laughs> <laughs>